your Bibles with, with me tonight, turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7. By the way, I do wish all you fathers, again, a happy Father's Day. If you didn't get that uh, little gift that we gave away this morning, please get one. Uh, get one for your uh, father that's not here. I don't, you know, we'd like to get, uh, make those, give them out to, so people can use them. So you uh, make those available, Brother Jerry, you can set them out there after church. All right, Isaiah chapter 7. You know, we know that the problem in our country, the problem in the world, is a spiritual problem. I know we can grumble and complain and talk about politics and talk about this and talk about that, but it really boils down to a spiritual need. Do you know, I believe, what really is needed in America, in the world today, is Christians that makes God real in their lives. We see a lot of hypocrites, don't we? I mean, it's known sometimes all of us have been guilty of being hypocritical, but I mean, there's too many Christians or self-professing Christians that are claiming to be a child of God and living an entirely different life. I, re I remember uh, working in in a foundry in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, I, you know, that's one of those places that's pretty easy. If you just mildly say that I'm a Christian, well, you're marked. And, I, and by the way, I wanted to be marked. I was, and so they all called me preacher from the in very I wasn't even a, a pastor at that time, but they called me preacher. Why? Because I talked about God. I talked about uh, the Bible. I didn't swear, didn't. Uh, like the dirty jokes and all this kind of junk. And uh, so you'd be amazed at the conversations that I had around the uh, break room. And guys would always come to me and they'd have a problem. I didn't, you know, here I am, just a young guy that has no idea really what's going on, but God does. God has the answers. And uh, I, I just say this, though. There was a lot of men, or there were several, I'll put it that way, that they claimed, they told me, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm thinking in the back of my mind, not the way the language I heard. That's not the language of a Christian. Not the way I saw you respond to the boss here today. That's not what a Christian ought to do. You say, well, pastor, you're judging. You're right. Uh, but you know what? I think we are to judge uh, those that claim to be a Christian. You will, what does the Bible say? You'll know them by their fruit. Listen, a lot of times the people in the world knows more what a Christian ought to be than some Christians. And there are some expectations. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, nobody said it's fair, but it's right. They ought to expect us to live right and do right. And you know what? When we mess up, we ought to confess up. And uh, don't try to hide it. Don't try. I, 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 wanted, I learned that lesson a long time ago. I remember I was probably not even 16 years old working for a farmer. Last name was Hodel. And um, he said, if you break something, you tell me. Because if you don't tell me, you're fired. I said, well, you know what? That makes good sense. Because everybody can break something. If you're around working at any, you know, something will happen. Backing in a truck, you might hit a mirror or whatever. But don't try to hide it. That's, I, I appreciated that. Uh, and, of course, that's the way my dad was as well. And you're going to get in a whole lot more trouble if you try to cover it up. But there's a lot of Christians who are 
one way on Sunday and a different way Monday through Saturday. And it ought not be. God ought to be real in our lives. We know a lot of people that, you know, around this world, they don't even know God. But they haven't seen much of God in the lives of Christians. And uh, so I want you to evaluate your own life. I, I'm not going to preach this because, oh, yeah, I know who's, who's failing here. No, I'm just saying all of us, we all ought to strive to make God real in our lives. We all are going to go through some difficult things. I even talked about that a little bit this morning. We know that. That's a fact of life. We all are going to have sorrows and pains and problems. But how we deal with it ought to be entirely different than the world. You and I have a hope. Not a, uh, I, I wish that this would come true, but a confidence in God. He's real. He's made a difference in my life. And, and even though I don't know how it's all going to work out, I know it's in control. That gives me a confidence. I also know this, just as we said this morning, I also know that his plan is that all things work together for the good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. But in Isaiah chapter 7, let's look at this story here, and starting at verse 1, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. It came to pass in, in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that reason, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it. So all of these kings have gotten together to attack Jerusalem, but could not prevail against it. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. And his heart was moved, and the heart of his people, as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou and Asher Jashub, thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. And say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be hearted for the two tails of the, the smoking firebrands anger of reason with Assyria and the son of Remaliah, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabeel. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. Don't you like that? Yeah, these guys had plans. Yeah, we're going to kick that king out. We're going to put our own king in. We're going to do this, and we're going to do that. We're going to slaughter the Jews. And, and God said, don't worry, ain't going to happen. It's not going to come to pass. And, but I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is reason. And with the, uh, within three score and five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it be not a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall uh, not be established. Our Heavenly Father, as we get into this passage of Scripture tonight, I pray that you would help us to apply it to our lives, uh, for it's very relevant. And I, I pray that you would awake us that are maybe fast asleep spiritually. 
and that we would allow you to work in our lives to such a degree that those around us would know that God is real. At least he is real to us. So God, you have your way. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> you know, God is going to be, and I've said this before, but it's so true. God is going to be as real to your children and your grandchildren as he is to you. If, as I said this morning, you know, our children oftentimes get the first impression of God the Father through the father of the home. You say, that's putting a lot of pressure on us. Yeah, it is. But um, are we pointing them to Jesus Christ? Are we um, letting our children and children's children see that God is real to me, to you? And, um, and it, you know when it's really witnessed or when it's seen by the world? When things go wrong. When the enemy is pressing us down when trials are mounting around us. And, and uh, uh, let me ask you, when that happens, do you, like some say, I'm about to lose my religion? Aren't you glad, Christian, that what we have is not a religion? Man, religion has, has confused people for thousands of years. I, I honestly hate religion because what we have is not just a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, do you feel that way, though? Boy, you're about to lose it. When, when uh, things aren't going your way, and, and, uh, and I trust that the Holy Spirit will place within your heart and mind a greater desire to make God real in our lives. If, if what motivates you is I'm going to get get justice, or now let me rephrase that, vengeance. I'm going to get even. I'm going to make sure, and you know, we've allowed that seed of bitterness to be planted in our hearts, and we become, we're just angry and bitter, and, and um, God is not real uh, in our lives. At least it's not witnessed by those around us because of that. And I pray that that strong desire would be placed in our hearts that we want to be like God, like Christ, that we want him to be real in our lives. So, uh, take notice here of how God became real in the lives of these people here in Isaiah chapter 7. First of all, we read in verses 1 and 2 about the trial. The house of David, it, it, they were all shook up. I mean, they were scared to death. Uh, normally, the first reaction to unexpected trials is panic, and these people were panicked. And uh, uh, like the trees blowing in the wind, they were, were just shaking for fear. And, and when we panic, our minds get confused. Now, by the way, every one of us are subject to this, Christian or not, because if we allow ourselves to panic, we've got our focus so much on what's happening around us, then we've got our eyes off of God, and we start thinking in a wrong way. And uh, so we need to uh, keep our eyes fixed on the Lord and keep our minds pure by the Word of God. Uh, and when our mind is confused, though, we start imagining things. You know, that's when the devil comes in and says, you know, God really doesn't care for you. I mean, if God did, would he be do allowing this to happen in your life? 
God doesn't love you, or maybe God's not aware. He doesn't even know what you're going through. The devil's a liar, and he will try to convince you. And listen, if we get to the place where we're panicking and we're confused, we have really opened the door for the devil's suggestions of doubt and uh, unbelief. But this, so the reason for this trial here in Isaiah chapter 7, Ahaz was a wicked king. We won't get into a lot of that, but he was. You can read about him. He led the people of God to worship false idols. And he uh, pushed the Lord out of his own life and then also strove to push God out of the lives of all of Israel, all of the Jews. And so Ahaz was a wicked king. And, uh, but, you know, even though Ahaz desired to push God away, God didn't take orders from Ahaz. And so thank God. He did not leave the people of Israel. And so this, this trial came into their lives because of their sin, their uh, uh, idolatry, their wickedness. And, and, and we, we cannot expect the favor of God to shine down upon us if we're going to live um, like we've left God completely out of our lives. How can we ask God to bless? That's what it, it kind of does bug me when I hear some of these politicians when I know what they believe and what they stand for, I'm there for killing babies. They're for what God calls an abomination. It seems like everything that God says is good, they're against. Everything that God says is evil, they're for. Now, and then they say this, God bless America. Um, God's not going to bless that kind of, of thing. God's not going to bless sin and wickedness. Uh, that's enough. I just had to get that out there. But the reason for that, that's the reason here for this trial that they're facing. Then the response to the trial, look again at verse 2. And his heart was moved, and the heart of his people at the, as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. You see, God wasn't real in their lives. They were living as if there was no God. And they were scared to death, rightfully so. Without God, you have every reason to be afraid like this. They were tossed and shaken like a tree in the midst of a great storm. Uh, Friday, it was Friday morning that storm came through. Boy, I woke up early in the morning hours. I thought, man, that sounds like a tornado out there, the noise it was making. First, I thought it was a train. You know, we have so many of those things go through. Sorry, Brother Art. I almost said uh, crazy things. But no, we have, <clears throat> but it, it was making a lot of, uh, just a roaring noise. And, but, and the trees just being whipped around. You know how it is. Well, that's how they, these people were reacting. All these, this trial was coming at them, and boy, they were just reacting to that storm uh, with fear and doubt. And so there was no answers to their problems to be found anywhere. And there was great uh, dishonor, great confusion, disorder. And, and as they hurried about from place to place, they were like those branches in the tree just being whipped around by the wind. They yielded to the storm. What is happening here? They gave up all hope. No use fighting. They and, uh, threw up their hands in defeat. And um, so they had no one to turn to. But aren't you glad in this story it's illustrated so well? God had not forsaken them. Hey, listen, you might be feeling like these people here. You're feeling like, man, this is so much. I can't handle this. And, and the storms are coming into your life. And, and, and you're, you're afraid. And, and, and you're hurting, and uh, you may feel like you're forsaken, but God has not and will never forsake one of his own. 
And so what did God do? He made himself real in the lives of these people here in Isaiah chapter 7. Now, let me ask you this. You just answer in your own heart and mind, but how have you responded to the trials in your life? How have you responded when things don't go the way you thought they would go, you hoped they would go? And so think about that. Is your response like this? No hope? Because God isn't real in your life. You see, that's the thing about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter how bad it gets. He, he's, he puts, he's the solid rock that keeps us steady. He, he's that northern star. He, in other words, we, we know which way to go. Doesn't matter what's happening around us. He's always there to guide and direct us. Let me give you a second point that here I see. And number two, there's some advice that comes along here. Look at verse four, if you would. And they say unto him, take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted for the two tails of these smoking firebrands. So the most important thing is to remember victory in calamities does not come automatically. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean victory is going to happen just because of, uh, of your uh, position with Christ. You must check the tendencies of the heart. Are you right with God? How can we expect God to bless in our lives if we have pushed him out? Or we've allowed him in some of part of our lives, but not all. So it's a dangerous thing. Check the tendencies of the heart. Take heed, as they say here, and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. Overcome the fears of your heart. Well, how? That's the question. I mean, it's easier said than done. Overcome the fears of your heart. It's kind of like these guys say, okay, you're afraid of snakes. Well, you need to overcome that fear. How? Well, here, why don't you handle the snake? And some of you would be out of there real quick. Um, or, or heights. You need, to, you need to overcome that fear. And so they, they by facing it. But that's not what we're talking about here. Here's how to overcome the fears of the heart. Number one, take heed to the words of God. Take heed, as it says, be quiet, fear not, neither be faint. What did Amos say? <clears throat> See, if you're lost here tonight, take heed to the words of God. To our neighbors, our friends that are without Christ, we ought to be encouraged and listen, take heed, listen to the Bible. I don't, it doesn't matter what you think of me. It doesn't matter if you, uh, never speak to me again, but you better listen to God. You better listen to what he has to say. And here's what Amos said in Amos 4.12, prepare to meet thy God. It's going to happen one day. We're going to meet God. Uh, listen, I don't care what you do to prolong your days upon this earth. We all have an appointment. We can't, we can't put it off. We can't ignore it. One day, if the Lord doesn't return within the next, again, I'll just give you that big number, 100 years. We're all going to have to ultimately uh, face that appointment with death. Prepare, Amos says, to meet thy God. In Genesis 6, 3, the Lord says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. So what is he saying here? You better take heed to his word. 
Uh, God is not going to continue to pursue you and work in your heart and convict you and draw you to salvation if you keep rejecting. And then in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, for he saith, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We're not sure of tomorrow. We, we really honestly can't be sure of the next 10 minutes. And so as the word of God warns us, and we better take heed, especially if you're not saved, this is the warning. Behold, now is the accepted time to get saved. Today is the day of salvation because we may not have tomorrow. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment in Hebrews 9, 27. So there's the words of God. Take heed, individual, that if you're lost here tonight. And then secondly, how about you, Christian? Take heed to the words of God. Sometimes we Christians, we think, well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I don't need to worry about all that stuff anymore. I can do my own thing. But hey, listen, here's what the word says in 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He that doeth the will of God, the Bible says, abideth forever. In 1 John 2, 15. 1 John 2, 17, he that, or excuse me, that was 1 John 2, 17. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. James 1, 22, we were talking about this in Sunday school where James, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. And I thought that was a good point uh, that was brought out in Sunday school class that some people have the idea, if I just come every week and hear the word, I got my fix, I'm okay, I'm fine. No, you better heed the word. We're talking specifically to Christians. Christians, it's not enough just to know the truth. We must live the truth. That's making God real in our lives. So be doers. So take heed also to the power of God. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Take heed to the weakness of your enemy. You know what the weakness of our enemy is? Our enemy, number one enemy, is Satan. You know what his weakness is? God. God is his weakness. And so, uh, as it says in Luke 1, 37, for with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. 1 John 4, 4 Ye are of God, little children, you're believers, you put your faith in Christ and have overcome them. Uh, God has overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he, the devil, that is in this world. And so take heed to the weakness of your enemy. His weakness is not your strength. He's not afraid of us. He is afraid of God. He bows before God. He has to do as the Lord says. And so our power is not uh, fear, uh, putting, putting fear in the devil at all. But the power of God will. What does he say here? They are but two tails of smoking firebrands. Um, they're, they're all, uh, what is that old cliche? They're, it's just smoke and mirrors. It's, it's, it, you know, they're just, uh, uh, these threats will all vanish into smoke. They mean nothing. Uh, they're all talk and no do. They, they can't, they don't have, what God is saying, they have no power or authority to complete what they're, the threats that they're uh, throwing out there. And so, like the enemies of God's church today, in a sense, they are burnt out already.
Their force is spent. They have consumed themselves with the heat of their own anger. Now look, we are under attack, no question about it. Christianity, uh, our families are under attack. But we are not to react like the world reacts. Uh, you know what would change Washington, D.C.? Jesus Christ. Uh, you know what's going to change uh, your neighbor if there's a problem there? Jesus Christ. And so we ought to begin to pray fervently for the leadership of our country to get saved, to allow God to have his way. So the, he talks about these two uh, tales of smoking firebrands. We have a lot of smoke in Washington, D.C. And they're making all kinds of statements and threats. They're mocking God uh, all over the, the place in our society. Uh, God is still in control, and they're going to answer to God one day. I hope and pray they'll bow before him now and know him as Savior. So you uh, may, you know, these, these little firebrands, these little, the enemy here is nothing more than a firebrand that you can literally stomp out with your foot. Uh, that's what God is saying about these, these threats. So the best advice in the time of trials and tribulations is to get your eyes off of the trial, off of the circumstances, and get them back on the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter walked on the water, didn't he? But he did fail. When he took his eyes off the Lord, he began to sink. There's that old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And believe it or not, I'm at my last point. So, um, and that is a wonderful one too, the promise that we see here. Look at verses 7 and 8 there. I'll just read a portion of that. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand, neither uh, shall it come to pass. I kind of emphasized that earlier when we first read it. But God is telling Ahaz that I am the Lord of your problem, Ahaz. This is not a problem for me. I am not shaking in the wind because of these threats that have been made. And God is not uh, uh, thrown back by all the threats of our day, by all the unbelief. We've had such a large portion of our society that has literally been indoctrinated into an anti-God, anti-American philosophy. But the worst part is the anti-God. And, and they have, have now have been, been indoctrinated to uh, believe socialism and communism and and atheism, and uh, it's, it's sad to see what's happening. But do they have anyone around their life that God is real in their life? They, 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 they may not agree with them, but they know. You, you know, it, it still bothers me when an 18-year-old, I, I know, um, they're young, but an 18-year-old is old enough to go to war. Am I right? An 18-year-old should have some understanding of what the, I'm talking about Christian should have some grounding in the word that there's no one going to shake them from their faith and so I don't know what the, the, the problem may be but maybe the problem is that it hasn't been taught in the home that the churches across America so many churches aren't even preaching the word of God it's more of a social gathering a formal 
religious ritual that they go through. But it's not real. It's just a form of religion. They're denying the very power thereof, as was the Pharisees in the Word of God. So have, God is telling Ahaz, listen, I'm the Lord of your problem, and we tonight ought to know that he is the Lord of our problems. I'm saying to you tonight, have faith in God. Have faith in God. He is the master of your calamities. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes here, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All God wants out of us is to use our body to display his glory and power. As I've said before, we're like, uh, uh, God wants to use us as a trophy, an example. Remember what he did with Job? I mentioned that this morning. Talking to Satan, hey, have you seen my servant Job? Man, he's a great guide. What are all the good things he's doing? And the Lord brought him up. That's what God wants to use us. You see, in the life of Job, God was real. What about us? What about you tonight? Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray. Make an intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. Without the Holy Spirit working in our minds, we do not have the capability of making the decisions that are going to glorify God. And so God said, told, told Ahaz here, be quiet. Be quiet. In other words, he's saying, Ahaz, settle down. Settle down. Get control of yourself. Listen to what God has to say to you. And we need to do the same thing. You, if we're running around like a chicken with our head off. We're fretting and worrying and and uh, what we need to do is just be quiet, settle down, get alone with God, get into his word, be quiet. Romans 8, 38 is true. All things do work together for the good to them that love God and to them who are called, the called according to his purpose. We don't know why things happen the way they do. There is, there is not always an explanation, and we may never, as I, I even illustrated that this morning, but, uh, but we must Listen to God. God never is going to lead us astray. First of all, we must consult God in all of our decisions. Have you done that? Um, I, uh, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm, again, I'm reminded of what we talked about in Sunday school uh, there in James chapter 4. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I've got my plans to make this kind of money, and nothing wrong with those plans. But where's God at in those plans? Is that what God wants? That's what, that's what our question, our desire ought to be. Uh, so consult God in all of our decisions. If we don't get a handle on our situation, we'll begin to accuse God. And, and we'll begin to say, God, it's, it's your fault. Why didn't you step in? And God wants to borrow our bodies so he will get all the glory out of the situation. So it's not about us. And that's what we have to understand too. It's all about God. And if we have that uh, attitude, it'll change things. Be quiet. We, you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to have uh, an explanation. Just be quiet, trust in God. Turn with me, I just want to read some scripture in Psalm 27. 
Psalm 27. And I love this scripture here. It says in Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Uh, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies <clears throat> round about me. Therefore will I offer in this his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Well, you could read the rest of that. Oh, um, I look at the last couple of verses there. Um, verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And that whole passage really is dealing with just be quiet, trust in God, trust in God. When it comes to calamities, we ought to think of uh, these, these three things. What God can do in this situation, what God is doing, and what God has done. So we count, the, uh, we count the joy after we stop and we meditate on God's word. So remember, God is going to be as real to your children as he is to you. God's going to be as real to those around you. you know, look, uh, they may not agree, but they ought to see a real difference in you and I as a Christian. And the way we speak, the way we respond, and, and again, Oftentimes, that is really witnessed in the time of trials and troubles. So trials in our life have the ten tendency to make God real in our lives. I know I can speak from experience. It truly has. But we can respond in fear, just like Ahaz did here in Isaiah chapter 7, or we can take the advice of Isaiah to take heed, be quiet. Take heed to the words of promises of God. Realize that he is in control. He is the Lord of my problems. And, and you know what? We can get to the place where we can honestly thank God for trials as we look back. So it is in the trials that God became real to us. T tonight, um, again, I ask you, is God real? Is it, is it uh, does it seem like you have to put a, a lot of effort into trying to measure up to what you others may expect you to be? Or is God just so real that it's a, 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 a just an easy flow of living for the Lord? Uh, is he real? Friend, if you're not saved, God can't be real to you yet. And I want to encourage you to put your faith and trust in him. Let's have every head bowed and every eye